The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. Let's circle up, folks, because it's time for the Virginia Wrestling Roundup, a show by the Virginia Wrestling Association. The Virginia Wrestling Roundup is also brought to you by Cliff Keen Athletic, built for life. Get more information on Cliff Keen products by going to matttalkonline.com slash cliffkeen. I'm Jason Bryant, a proud Virginia native, and each month we'll talk about relevant events and topics as it relates to the landscape of VAWA and the wrestling community in the state of Virginia at large. As always, you can find out all you need to know about VAWA by going to virginiawrestling.com. Episode 9 of the Virginia Wrestling Roundup coming back at you. Been uh, been a while since this motley crew of coaches and leaders from the state of Virginia got together. Today joined by Brian Hazard, Bill Swink, Andrew Farah, and Ross Jatomer. We're going to be talking about high school preparation, the high school season. Of course, we've got some VAWA news coming around. We're going to talk a little bit about the top juniors and seniors in the state. And, of course, college wrestling later on in the program. I'll have a one-on-one with VMI head wrestling coach Chris Greckwitz to talk about what the key debts are doing down in Lexington. But as we are going to get going here, we're first going to introduce... Andrew Farah, the executive director of VAWA. And uh, Andrew, just how things been going, man? Obviously, we, last time we talked, Kendall Cross was in town. Uh, he was going to be in town, did a, did a clinic and a couple things around the, around the metro there. How did those things go with, uh, with your boy from Texas? We had great turnout with Kendall in Alexandria on a Friday night. And then the next day, uh, we were down in Charlottesville and had an awesome training day with Jordan Lean and, and Garland and Shelton Mack. Um, it was kind of like a, a national team reunion, which was uh, which is good to see everybody and, and get everybody together before the Super 32. But just um, just rolling on registrations and insurance documents, all that good stuff for clubs as the winter gets uh, cranked up. So uh, a little slower time, but you know everything's about to start flying uh, week to week once. Uh, once everybody starts competing next week, so about that time. Bill Swink, state chairman, how's life been treating you since we last talked? Well, it's treating me well, Jason. Uh, really, really busy, but busy's a good thing. You don't have time to get in trouble, so uh, staying on track. Speaking of people that always tend to get in trouble, Ross Jatomer joins our broadcast. No, I'm just kidding. Ross is the head coach at St. Christopher's. It brings a wealth of experience from his time wrestling at the University of Virginia and, of course, at Blair Academy. Ross, your first appearance on the show. Welcome to the Virginia Wrestling Roundup, my friend. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm enjoying doing everything going on right now in, uh, at St. Chris. And, and uh, these three guys that are obviously on this podcast, is uh, these three guys are the best. Um, it's been awesome being able to work with them on the national scene with Virginia and, and, uh, obviously Andrew being in, in Richmond, it's been awesome to be able to work with him almost on a daily basis, but, uh, things are good. Guys are, guys are doing well and teaching is going well. So I'm, uh, I'm excited. And last and certainly least Mr. Brian Hazard from Robinson (laughs) secondary, who, uh, I got to spend way too much time with. Over the last month or so, whether it be up at the Journeyman Fall Classic or recently in Madison Square Garden, where we were announcing at the Grapple at the Garden, Mr. Hazard, how was the trip back to Northern Virginia? 
It wasn't bad. Uh, my my wife and I got on the bus there and got on a bus home. Uh, traffic on a holiday weekend, probably in the best place to be uh, on on Route 95 coming back from New York City. But it was it was a really great weekend. It was great spending time with you there and uh, watching some great college wrestling. Um, seven days a week these last couple of months with with uh, not only coaching at Robinson but doing a bunch of announcing uh, has has been a a trial, but it's been awesome and uh, really looking forward to this year. And first, you know, it's kind of finishing our first phase of, of November and getting into December and letting our, 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 our bodies get into that competition phase. It's exciting. And well, let's just stick with that just for a moment. Otherwise, you know, obviously uh, hazard is horse because he yells a lot and uh, he talks a lot. And then he does that announcing thing too. But Brian, interesting news that um, we haven't really been talking much about. We'll just take a few minutes to talk about this. Bill, you know this. It's going to be an all-VAWA team on the microphone this year at the NCAA Division One Championships. Uh, I, that's what I understand. You, we we were, have the pleasure of having you two on the podcast tonight with Jason Bryant and Brian Hazard. Brian, how pumped are you, man? I, uh, I... I'm typically a Grinch at this time of year, and I've got a typical uh, permanent uh, permagrin going on just because I'm so excited. I, it was, it's, uh, I know for you and I have talked about it a lot. This is one of my long-term goals for announcing over the last 10, 15 years, and uh, to watch it come to fruition is pretty exciting. And the fact that you and I have been talking about it for about that same amount of time that one day we wanted to do this together, that's even cooler. And it's in the garden, man, in the garden. The fact that, you know, I was in awe this weekend announcing at the Garden with a bunch of college teams, and it was only three rounds. It was just a short day. Three days in March is going to it's gonna be phenomenal. I can't wait. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to have a podcast after that because neither of us will have a voice. But, uh, <laughs> you know, obviously um, I actually talked with uh, Nate Shy, who is a former Virginia guy on All-American for uh, – Old Virginia USA wrestling back in the day before he uh, he moved to Pennsylvania and then Craig Frost, Donnie DeFilippis, they were they were actually doing they actually got the first interview uh, at at the Hooters across from the Madison Square Garden on their their podcast Brawlhouse Radio. But uh, anyway, enough about us. We just wanted to get that out there and let Virginia know that yes, it is an all Virginia crew. It is Brian and myself on the on the on the PA at Madison Square Garden for the NCAA Division One Wrestling Championships. So um, some people disappointed about uh, you know what, what what went on beforehand. I know that we're excited to be doing it, and that's pretty much all. Uh, that's all I got to say about that. But uh, now we're going we're gonna to shift over to Bill Swink. Bill, we've got some VAWA news to discuss before we get to Ross. Ross is just sitting there, and he said one thing the entire time. He's sitting there listening to us yammer on. So we're going to make Ross <laughs> wait some more. Bill, bring us up to speed with some VAWA news we've got from VirginiaWrestling.com. Sure. We're going to talk more about some other things uh, here during the show, but uh, big things I want to talk about. One, we're getting ready to launch a uh, new coaches association, uh, which will be affiliated with VAWA, but but separate and and dealing with folk style um, events. Uh, That should maybe go live registration tomorrow, we're hoping. that would be December second. If you're not listening to it, uh, yeah. Well, because yep. you're not listening to it live because we're recording on a Tuesday night, right? So hopefully December second, Wednesday, it'll be live. And um, the whole idea behind it is Matt Kill is going to head head this up. He's going to be the director. Um, we're trying to you know create a voice for Virginia wrestling coaches and both uh, they can lobby for things that we want within you know the state association VAWA. And or things coaches want and 
hopefully with the Virginia High School League as well, be a collective voice. Uh, we're going to do some other things like offer clinics um, in the spring. At, at St. Christopher's, they're going to host it for us. We're going to uh, hold a folks out of freestyle transition clinic for coaches and athletes, and we're going to do officials. Um, uh, everybody will be there that day. It's going to be a great day in the spring. We're looking uh, at March the 12th for that. Um, other things we're going to do with Coach Association, uh, we're going to give uh, Wrestler of the Year awards for all six public schools and private school division. Uh, we're going to do all academic teams, um, individuals and teams. We're going to recognize those. And, you know, we get, we're going to get a little benefit. Everyone's going to get a little uh, – can go out to eat. We're going to give everyone a $25 restaurant.com gift card uh, for being a member. So membership will – you can get that back by going out to eat on us. Uh, so that's that's something I'm excited about, looking forward to getting off the ground. Um, we, we have, uh, we'll be running our fourth future champions tournament on January the 3rd. Uh, what we mean by future champions, these are guys who are in their first or second year of actual competition. It's for 12 and under. We have uh, six and under, eight and under, 10 under, 12 and under age groups. And that'll be at Colonial Forge High School on January the 3rd. Um, Towards the end of January, Virginia Challenge is hosting their WrestleFest on the 23rd and 24th at the Ash Center in Richmond. Uh, a little change in format there. We've been working a lot with the Virginia Challenge folks. It's not going to It's going to be open to people from out of state this year. In the past, it had been only a Virginia event, and they're opening that up um, to focus more on a true state championship. The Volva Kids Focus on State Championship, which will be February 27th at the Ash Center. So that's coming up. I, I, I love to watch that event. The level of competition is is phenomenal. I like seeing the young guys scrapping it out with each other. And then on the next day, the 28th of February, we'll host the elementary school, middle school club dual meet tournament, along with the girls uh, state championships at the Ash Center on the 28th. So that's what I have to talk about as far as news at this time. I'm still focusing on the whole free food thing. You know, that's something that uh, you, you piqued my interest when you said that. And one thing that I, I'm guessing is the onus for the the coaches association kind of to to combat potential issues that might come up. Like we like our most popular episode here is when we were talking about the the debacle that was the state championships in in, in all six divisions and uh, the you know the private schools they 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 did their own thing and uh, did it well apparently. But uh, the VHSL seemed to do things a little differently. And is this where that kind of came out? It was like, all right, we need to get organized here a little bit more than just uh, just vowel. You get all the coaches involved and be a voice. Is that that kind of the uh, the owners for this? That, that is kind of the onus, Jason, you know, to give coaches a voice, uh, um, you know, not only with the VHSL, but within our own organization to have somebody organize them, keep them going. And also to recognize uh, their athletes that are members, you know, by giving Wrestler of the Year Award and uh, all academic uh, wrestlers, uh, recognizing those guys and, and the academic team, things that, that – we were underrepresented. There are opportunities for us to help promote our athletes and our teams and educate our coaches as well. So all those things uh, were the reasons that we thought it was needed um, in the state. Andrew, you got anything to piggyback on in terms of VAWA news that Bill didn't touch on? 
No, but you guys hit the nail on the head. You know, we saw uh, we had overwhelming response last year when we put out a survey uh, trying to gather some some information and what people thought about the VHSL situation. And over the summer, we thought, hey, why don't we roll out a, a coaches association just to have an official group and and use that when we're trying to you know, get through to to various groups like the VHSL or or whomever it may be. So, yep, that's. Uh, that's the idea, and and we think that uh, Matt Keel is is going to do a heck of a job with it. Yeah, he's also got that find a wrestler thing that's been pretty cool. I, I might be uh, blanking on the actual domain uh, name of it. I know it, he sent me to it, and I I'd, I'd mentioned it in a short time podcast. But that's a that's a cool thing to to, to fill spots at open tournaments and and dual teams like that. And you know, Matt's always kind of been uh, you know thinking outside the box with that type of stuff. So glad to hear that Matt is involved in that. So now moving on to our main topic here, we're going to focus on high school wrestling for this next segment of the program. This is where Ross is actually going to get to talk finally, but uh, we're also going to have Bill and Brian interrupt him frequently because they're, they're, they're knowledgeable on this subject as well. So we're trying to make sure Ross has gets his point across, but says as little as possible um, <laughs> since he's the rookie on the show. But uh, first thing, you know, we're talking about the preseason and in preparation training and practices have started competitions kick up. Uh, here in December. So, uh, Ross, you've got a lot of interesting background on this, obviously coming from Blair Academy where where uh, Jeff Buxton was a master of preparation, and, and you've kind of brought that uh, and things that you knew and that, that you learned at UVA uh, from the college aspect of it and, and now coaching. What are some of the, the biggest things that you've kind of outlined when it's that, that preseason practice that's kind of on their own, and then when they finally get in the room and start going, what are some things that are that you found are best practices, whether it be for the elite kid or for the brand-new kid? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I think the uh, I think I'm a young coach, and especially the head coach is my second year, but um, I, I feel like I'm changing a lot um, on, on a lot of different uh, fronts. But the, one of the biggest things that I think was hard for me as a young coach that I'm starting to evolve in is, figuring out um, how to push the kids to the limits, but at the same time, not break them. And what I mean by that is, you know, it probably doesn't get talked about enough, but there's a lot of you know, individualism going on for wrestling. And what I mean by it is like, I mean, you, you want to play, you want to wrestle all year round, which is, which is good. But at the same time, if a kid's a football player, if he's a soccer player, a cross player, I think coaches should be working with those coaches to, to push those kids to do those sports. And I think the other thing that gets, that there's a major problem with, especially in, in wrestling is that people don't know wrestling. They don't know what wrestling is about. So learning to make compromises, learning to deal with coaches, learning that during football season, these are, these are 15 to 18 year old kids. They can handle a lot of activity. So there's nothing wrong with going to football practice and then going to wrestling practice after. And so I think being able for kids to do multiple things is huge. And, you know, looking back on my career, I, you know, I, I wish I did more in high school. I mean, I ran cross country, played baseball at a young age, and I, and I went right to wrestling. But looking back now and dealing with a lot of different kind of kids, I think that the idea of competition, the idea of trying new things is huge. And, um, and so that's not really wrestling specific to the training. But I will say that, you know, as, as we try to grow the sport at all levels, we have to make it fun. We have to keep it competitive. Um, and we got to do it the right way. And obviously, I think VAWA is doing an excellent job educating people, but um, we, we need to, as coaches, need to come together and, and push multiple sports and get kids from multiple sports into wrestling. Um, at the same time, I think we need to, you know, we need to teach at a high level. We need to be educated. And uh, that's been kind of one of my goals um, moving forward 
into this year. And, and at a lot of these schools, you know, depth can be a problem. And so, you know, one of my goals is to have a lot of depth and to teach at a high level. And, you know, you have a ton of moving parts, so it's never going to be perfect. But, you know, if you're trying and you're working at it, um, I think good things are happening. So, you know, that's my take right now on, on the, especially in the preseason, you know, making it fun, making workouts fun and teaching at a high level, but making kids do different things. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious about the makeup of St. Chris in terms of the multi-sport athlete, because I came from a double-A high school in Pocosin, and, and for our athletics to thrive, it was almost, it was, yeah, every, you know, the, the best athletes had to play two and three sports. I mean, I remember uh, Jared Hur and Joey Miskell were in our lineup at 135 and 145. They both ran for 1,000 yards on the football team. And that, you know, the Bay Rivers district back then, they were the smallest backs in the district. So for that team to be successful, those wrestlers had to step up. And then there was baseball, you know, they played baseball or run track. And so when it looked, when you got a, a private school like St. Christopher's, where is it, you find, are you finding that there's more kids that are specialized at a school like St. St. Chris, or, or do you have a good broad cross-section of kids that are playing multiple sports? Well, you know, that's the thing is, is I, I've got a lot of kids that have wanted to come here and, and uh, you know, the, the model for St. Chris, which you, know, you don't have to agree with, but you can agree with, is this idea that kids are doing multiple sports. But I think with everything becoming more competitive, uh, you know, I have a bunch of kids right now that just want to wrestle. I'm actually pushing them and working with our football coach a lot on trying to get a lot of overlap there. And, um, and, and when you say you're not specializing, it makes it seem like it's not competitive. But like I said, these are 15, 18-year-old kids. They don't have to deal with injuries like college kids, and they can do a lot of stuff. I mean, these kids are out at 6 a.m. and can go until 10 at night doing homework and whatnot. And so, and so yeah, you know, the, the model at St. Chris is doing a lot of different things, doing a lot of different sports. But I think if we're going to do that, we got to do it at a high level. And if we do want to have a kid that specialize, specializes, I mean, you know, that's great. But I think, you know, I think giving the kids the most opportunities, I mean, you, you see so many letters and uh, emails and, and news articles about these, you know, Urban Meyer talking about multiple sport athletes. And I got to tell you, like, I didn't believe in that probably five years ago. And now I'm really, I'm kind of getting on board with it. So. Bill, I want to shift gears to you because you've coached in uh, various levels of Virginia and obviously been a Colonial Forge for the last, I don't know, 5,000 years. Or That, that school was <laughs> brand new when I was out of high school, and now it seems like uh, you know, you've know you been there forever. And that school has grown, the enrollment's grown, and you've gotten an opportunity where you, at bigger schools you can actually have the kids that are more specialized because you don't necessarily need the athletes for the entire school to be successful in those various sports. But when you were at Louisa, that which was then a double A school, uh, you, you needed it was kind of similar to Pocosin where your 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 star athletes were playing two and three sports, whether whether it was a basketball player that was also a quarterback that was also a pitcher. So you know, what is it what is the relationship from going to maybe a small school atmosphere where you have those kids more frequently playing multiple sports to uh, you know, Colonial Forge where you know, you've you've got a large set of males to to pick for wrestling. Yeah, um, you know, you still need to share athletes, big, big or little, uh, is more um, prevalent at the smaller schools or more necessary, I think, for programs to be competitive. Um, I, I, that's a trend. Uh, we have a lot of kids specializing in, you know, wrestling, baseball, football, soccer, you, you name it. And we do have a lot of athletes because we're a bigger school, um, but we still have those struggles. You know, I. I was in the coach, uh, coach Brown and I, the football coach, were talking today about sharing athletes and what uh, I could do to get some wrestlers 
going back out for football and what he can do to get some of those football players coming back out for wrestling because they kind of tend to want to specialize. Um, and everything you you hear and, and the research is telling us, you know, let these kids play multiple sports. It's not that we're not letting them. They're, they're choosing, um, you know, whether they think it's a scholarship at the end of the day or uh, a state title or whatever um, to specialize. And I think at some point it's okay to specialize. You know, you're going to maybe go one way or the other. Um, but it's, we, you know, it's the same, same challenge at a big school, um, getting sharing athletes with each other um, as a smaller school or, or, you know, Ross at St. Chris, where they kind of, uh, that's kind of a mantra. They're supposed to, I think, do multiple sports. Um, so I don't know if I answered that question very well, but. You know, it's still a challenge in a large school. Um, you know, we do we we used to have lots of heavyweights in our program. We we don't have lots of heavyweights in our program anymore. Uh, we get we get a few, and uh, we've had a lot of good ones, but they've kind of gone away from football. The football players are kind of staying away from wrestling. So we 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 were trying to find ways to uh, share those athletes again. Now, Brian, I want to spin this your way because a couple of your better upperweights uh, in your time at Robinson have, have been football players, and then of course, you know, Brent Jones obviously played football. I believe he was a, uh, he was a starter as a freshman. I know your your heavyweight uh, Pinkston was on the football team as a starter as a freshman, and Robinson was some monster football teams. And then, then I remember, I believe it was uh, Adam Fosnott was a, was a stellar lacrosse player. So uh, you've seen it on both sides where you're waiting for athletes to come off the football field so your team can be at 100%. And then as soon as the wrestling season's over, you're not going to get some of your better guys for the postseason because they're off on the lacrosse field. Yeah, but you know, and, and I had a conversation uh, the lacrosse coach, one of my best friends from, from growing up, and the football coach that we have now is phenomenal. And one of the things we talked about is, you know, they're still kids and you, you have such a short time to play sports. Uh, and you know, what is it? Five to 10% of athletes go on and play college sports. So the fact is we want these kids to, to have fun. Now, when I first got started and we had some monster football team state champions, we would be waiting a month before they came out. I can remember thinking, Oh, I just hope they lose. And that was so selfish of me because honestly, uh, one of the things I'm learning now, and as I as I do this longer, you want your kids to win because you know what? It's infectious. So when they come off the field and they're winning, they come into the room with the expectation to win and to be competitive. Um, you know, we we have had some amazing kids doing multiple sports, and and a lot of that is because they're great athletes and they're winners and. Uh, uh, I talked to our football coach the other day and he said, I want all my guys to, to wrestle because first of all, my great football players, they need to be taken down a notch sometimes and realize they're not as good as they think. And so by them, maybe not being the best wrestler on the team, it teaches them to be one of the guys. It teaches them to be normal. If they're not put on a pedestal in the, in the school, uh, they're just a guy on the wrestling team or a guy on the basketball team or a guy on the track team or a guy on the lacrosse team. And I had never heard that before. And, and you know, he's a young coach uh, who was a basketball player, a baseball player, and, and, a, and a football player in, in high school and college. So he gets it. And it, I love that, that, uh, that ideal that he put out there. Uh, but we are, we, you know, we just finished football, just got our guys back this week. And uh, 
there were several who didn't come out and I was in the weight room today and I was grabbing them by the ear going, you need to do this. And the assistant football coach was with me going, you guys need to do this. And uh, Ross is correct. Um, so many college coaches now are saying you need to do multiple things just to be well-rounded and have that balance. Yeah, and just to back up with what Brian was saying on how his opinion has changed, we were in the meeting prior to the grapple at the Garden, and he's got his phone up looking at the – yeah, actually not not looking at the Twitter like I was. I was looking at Twitter later in the day when Pocosin was playing Phoebus, but he was sitting there, had the stream up against, uh, against I believe it was South County. He's like, oh, man. So he was generally disappointed in the loss. So I want to I back up Brian there. He's, he's not just blowing smoke there. And so, uh, yeah, that was one thing that uh, – I just found interesting that, you know, you sit there like, ah, come on, come on. I remember those 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 very bad football teams that we had when I was in high school with the, with the wrestlers. And I was like, dude, we got Lake Taylor. We got the kickoff coming on, man. We we can't we can't miss those starters. We got to wrestle. We got to wrestle Atlee. We got to wrestle C.D. Hilton. We got to we got to wrestle Great Bridge. You know, it was one of those things like we need those guys back. But uh, as as we get back to our. Uh, preparation thing and, and Ross this is where I want to lean on your ear a little bit in coming from uh, from Blair Academy and, and seeing how did how did coach Buxton instill on those guys that would come off the football field or would come off from cross country or or to, to get them in the wrestling mindset because it seemed like when Blair hit the mats in in December at the Ironman at the Beast you guys were pretty much in mid-season form or at least in a lot better shape than these other teams that you know obviously in the same position first second week out and, uh, you know, Blair was – you guys were winning. I mean, how much – what were the preparation tools like? What were they teaching? You know, there's – you know, because Blair Academy is not just superstars. There are a lot of a lot of kids that are there that are coming out for wrestling for the first time, and they've got to go through the rigors just like the, you know, the all-star – like the Mark Perrys who come in from Oklahoma of the world. Yeah, I mean, you know, here's the thing is that, like I said before, I mean, I would, I, I would say I specialized. I mean, I, I, I got to Blair when I was a junior – and by the time I was a Blair, I was all wrestling. You know, I was all wrestling. And, and again, you know, here's the thing is that I had probably 25 to 30 guys just like me. I mean, my training partners at the time um, were Kellen Russell, Raleigh Peter, Adam Fry, Max Shanneman. Um, I mean, I can go on. Mark Bogart, Robbie Preston. I mean, I get, the list goes on, and it was kind of survive every day. So it was a little bit like a college room. So um, it, was, it was us in the mix every single day. And then, oh, by the way, we had literally the best Jersey guys in there probably two or three days a week. Um, I mean, I remember vividly Mike Gray, Jimmy Conroy. I mean, I can go through the list, but literally, you know, we actually would joke about it all the time. But, you know, we would we would say, you know, could if we were to dual meet with the state champs from New Jersey, we really believed like we were going to – we would beat them every year. That was something that we always, you know, had a lot of pride with. And so in terms of preparation, I think that obviously gave us um, a head start there. but you know, Blair's in the middle of nowhere in North Jersey, and you're in co- sort of a bubble. I mean, it's a boarding school. He has classes on Saturday. And so we just trained together, went to school, and um, it was it was just a lifestyle. And so you learn that at a young age, even though you're in high school. And so um, it's funny that, you know, I, you just heard me say about multi-sport athletes, but that's not the model at St. Chris. And, and obviously, it can't be. I mean, it's not a boarding school. And do I want to be good? Yeah, and I want to. I want to win a lot, and and there's no question about it. And I'm trying to get there, but with Blair and preparation, I mean, I would argue we had the best, the best uh, partners in the in the country. And then I have you know I haven't even gotten into the the technical side of uh, Buxton. I mean, he was, you know, he was just. I never had a guy like him. The way he taught, he he made it simple but complex. Uh, that may, might not make that much sense, but 
he made complex situations simple, and that was, you know, that's that's kind of a standard and something I try to go by now. But that was the idea, you know. And he made every practice challenging, and and uh, you know, I think the final thing I'll say about it is now in being in Virginia, we have a lot of talented kids, and I think it's it's awesome. At the same time, there's this idea that you have to compete all the time, and one thing that I'll say is, you know, we would go to Fargo in late July and then we wouldn't compete again until the Ironman. So that when you're looking at three to four months, you know, there was that number super 32 was just started when I graduated and you know, there was, we just weren't going down there. And, you know, I mean, we're in Virginia, that was New Jersey. So I think super 32 is great. I mean, it's an exceptional tournament, but at the same time, you know, we really focus on training and, and making your competitions really, you know, about quality and, and doing well and learning to compete. And, and it was about improvement. I mean, the guy, talked to zero about winning and the guy never talked about winning um still doesn't and uh you know that's what takes the pressure off the kids it's about improvement you know even he would always tell us being at the beginning of practice i hope none of you go undefeated this season i want someone to lose you know and you know adam fry i remember he wanted to like punch him in the face because the kid went undefeated his junior year and then when he got defeated by adam's crime his senior year i remember adam Adam was like, I'm going to quit. And Buxton loved it. I mean, I remember he ate it up and he's like, you should quit, you know? And he's, it was just fantastic. It was, you know, it's just cool coaching moments that you don't really realize as high school kids, but now as, as I'm, you know, growing in my coaching career, I, it, you know, a lot of those things you pull from, but it also has changed a lot. I mean, a lot of things have changed and you gotta, you gotta work with the model you have. And so, but I, you know, I don't know if that answered the question completely, but hopefully it answered it a little bit. One thing you said that I, I do want to get some, get get a little insight on from a coaching perspective because you had said that you know he had made complex things simple. What are some of these those complex things that you have learned as a coach that you have to make simple for the you know the the wrestler that's not the the specialization athlete, the kid that's coming out for wrestling that you might get you might see him for the first time in the eighth grade, somebody that you actually have to coach and develop. So what's what's something that you've learned that is complex that you are trying to make simple for all your athletes, regardless of their skill level? Yeah, I mean it, you know, it depends on the kid, you know, and so he comes into the room and he's kinda like a book. Like you gotta see what chapter he's starting at. I and mean, some of them started at ground zero, some of them start at chapter ten, but you know, you gotta, that's where you gotta be a good coach and a good teacher. You gotta know, you gotta know that kid and what he does well and what he doesn't do well. But, you know, we, we learned a lot of tricks, but there are also just some fundamental positions that we learned how to do really well. I mean, we learned how to get good shoulder pressure. We learned how to get our hands above a knee on a single leg. We learned how to keep our hips in. I mean, really keep our hips in on, on, on techniques. And then we learned how to really work when we're tired. And that's kind of where technique falls a lot with these high school kids is when things, things aren't going well you get tired you know he learned to push us through it but he pushed us enough where we wouldn't break and um you know that's it, it's tough i mean it's an art in a way but it's also science and uh that was you know he, any position you know you we probably saw it we heard about it but you would see something new he would show and you, you know you'd be like oh wow that makes sense you know and and i guess probably the final point i'll say about that is not enough teaching gets gets done by the kids meaning you know, one of my goals is to have the older kids teach the younger kids and have the younger kids teach the older kids. I mean, the more you teach, the better they, the kids get actually at the move. So. Reminds me of that line in Stripes. I think Brian Hazard might know what I'm talking about. So uh, we'll go back to Brian for a moment. And, and just to capitalize on what, what Ross was saying, uh, what are some of those things that you've had the, the older kids teach the younger kids? Have you seen that in your program? Uh, some of I think some of our best years – uh, our kids were uber selfish and they didn't 
I think they were always taught that they had special tricks that they were the only ones who were allowed to know. And uh, I probably didn't do as well as I could have with those guys in uh, having them impart their wisdom on the younger kids. Well, you don't want everybody on your team throwing a chin whip like Brent Jones either. That's right. (laughs) But I I tell you, this year is probably not my (laughs) – he did a headlock. Uh, oh, he had he he beat Matt Maciag with a chin whip. I'm sure Ross remembers that. <laughs> I remember it. But uh, you know, this group of kids, um, what what I'm amazed by, and, and and this is definitely not my most talented group of kids. But I have our older kids, and when young kids come in the room, or when the younger, more experienced kids come in the room, they're starting to go and partner up and practice with guys who don't know as much, and really working on. Um, on position with them. So it used to be you just go through the motions and you'd go through practice. And now it's like they're, like Ross said before, there's a higher order thinking where during their drills, they go, you know what, your pressure isn't good. Why don't you try this? Uh, or, hey, you, like he said, the hand above the knee on the single. Hey, you're, you're staying down on the ankle. Why don't you climb up and get your hand above the knee? Um, instead of me having to go around and, and nitpick, they're self-policing. And when you can get a team that you can self-police, not only in the room, but on the weekends outside of the room, uh, it makes it a really awesome group to coach. And it lets me sleep at night. And uh, I tell you, I, I don't know how how, uh, how we're going to finish this season, but I sure as heck am excited about these group of kids who, who are working hard together. Uh, we met the first week of season, and I've never had this before. We, we do team goals every year. The number one team goal that this team had was – to close the social gap between the young group and the old group because they think they want everybody to feel like uh, a Robinson wrestler who's on the team. I had years when the varsity guys wanted a different T-shirt than the JV kids. So um, <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, that, that, you, you can't make that up. And so uh, I've been super impressed with this group of kids and, uh, and the way that they've handled that teaching. Um, one of the things that, that we, we've always done pretty well, though, is because my body's getting a little older, I can't always do the things I need to do. And, and we have some young guys in the room, but when we go around and we're showing a drill, we'll, we'll uh, teach the drill by them doing it. And then now it's gotten to the point where I say, okay, teach it. And they can talk about the drill and how they want to do it and how, they, the pressure, how the pressure should be. So, uh, yeah, it, if, if you can have a group of leaders who are willing to do that, it makes your job as a coach a million times easier. I'm going to pick on some more Robinson alum. I know Mike Vachon always had a different pair of socks than everybody else on the team did, though. They were thick. They were thick, leg warmer type socks, and uh, no one else could wear them. He had a good tan as well, but he was tough. He <laughs> fit in very well at Ohio State. Yes, yes. Yeah, the seasonal affective disorder never affected him because he had a good tan. But he, he was talented, though, boy. He was very talented, still is. Now, Bill, we're going to come back with you on this, and and kind of on that same vein. I mean, you know, what are your thoughts on the topic here? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, those two have said a lot of great, great things. Um, you know, to play off of the older kids helping the younger kids, I, I think it's very important. Um, you know, we kind of stress that more in our preseason, postseason workouts than we do in our in season workouts because we split our team into two practice groups. Uh, during the season, but you know, having those guys drill and when we're when they're learning technique and then you know working on positioning with those younger athletes, I, I think is critical. And they learn a lot. Your older kids learn a lot by teaching that to the younger kids. 
Um, and, it, and it also, you know, they get to, they get more familiar with the younger guys. They, they bond, which is a good bonding activity. We also like to use our guys in the summertime with the, uh, with our youth camps to, to teach technique and, and things like that. Um, you know, one other thing that I wanted to touch on a little bit that we spend a lot more time on uh, the longer I've coached, and that is developing kids as athletes as well as develop, developing them as wrestlers because, you know, Ross talked about, you guys talked about, you know, the new guy coming in doesn't do it, no, doesn't know much, different chapters in the book. That's all great stuff. Um, sometimes you have to train them to be an athlete uh, before you can train them to be a wrestler, you know they, they their kinesthetic awareness isn't real real strong and those types of things. And we incorporate a lot of that uh, into practices um, all year long to to try to develop them as, and make them better athletes, um, so that they can become better wrestlers, better football players, better baseball players, whatever sport they do. Um, I think that's why wrestling translates translates a lot and helps. Uh, kids become better at, at the other sports. Now we haven't heard from Andrew in a while, and we're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna circle up and go back to Mr. Farah here because you, you've been in a couple different states in, in recent years, and I'm, I'm curious on what you've seen from other parts of the country and how they handle the topics that we're discussing here. You know, in Texas, football's a big deal. How is how is the wrestling coach that's maybe second fiddle or third fiddle the football coach handling things when you get those athletes in? And, and what have you seen from other places you've been that, that works and doesn't work and maybe something and how Bill Ross and, and Brian have done things differently, but they all seem to work. Sure. The farther you get away from the wrestling hotbeds of Pennsylvania, Jersey, Ohio, uh, the more flexible, creative and positive you better be as a coach. If you can't make, uh, make the football players feel welcome and work with that football program in Texas, you know, you, you better find a new line of work. Uh, lacrosse is getting to be uh, very similar. Um, you know, uh, it, it's funny that we have these guys on the phone, but I talked with Ross and Hazard uh, this past week um, about uh, what they've done to work with football players in their own programs and, and uh, meeting kids where they are rather than drawing a hard line and saying, you're going to have to do this, this, and this and come to seven days a week, six days a week training and, and national level competition. Now, that doesn't work for a kid who is not as experienced as Patrick Grayson or uh, Joey Prada or, you know, Jack Bass or, uh, you know, the, the best that have come through all these uh, programs, you know. So I think it's really important to meet kids where they are and figure out how they can be a part of a program rather than saying my way or the highway. Cause you know, there, kids have so many options these days, club teams, uh, different sports and school, you know, whatever it may be that, you know, if, if we make it uh, one size fits all and try and force square pegs in our round holes and, you know, we're not going to, uh, we're not going to thrive as a sport. And that's certainly the case down in Texas. Gonna shift gears over to our rankings discussions. We talk about high school wrestling, and uh, we've got a couple things that the VirginiaWrestling.com website's put out recently. It's a big board for the junior class and the senior class, so we'll talk a little bit about the juniors and seniors. Obviously, let's just actually we could probably focus more on the seniors right now because those are the ones who are college bound, and that's where the ones we're we're focusing on. A pretty good group 
of seniors. Uh, as I look through the list that we go 30 deep, there's a lot of kids that uh, in other years it'd be seniors be like, well, where's that kid from since I've been gone from the state of Virginia for, geez, 10 years at this point. And I look and I see the names now and I'm like, oh, I recognize those kids because I've seen them in Fargo or I've seen them from. You know, I got, you know, roommates, you know, like Summerlin's kids, for example, I've, I've heard them talk about them. And I've, I, these names aren't unfamiliar to me living out halfway across the country. But uh, this group of seniors and, uh, you know, got uh, Mason Manville as the top senior, even though he attends school at Wyoming Seminary. Uh, Bill had been saying uh, that this is something that was standard. They're VAWA kids. This is not a VHSL ranking. It's not a public or private high school ranking for just Virginia high schools. This is kids from Virginia that that will be on say, the Virginia team in Fargo. So Mason, the number one senior, followed by Joey Prado, had a, had a great tournament in Fargo. is a multiple-time All-American at St. Chris. Ross Graham from my alma mater, Pocosin, Antonio Agia Hayfield, Robert Winters, Colonial Forge is your top five. And then you get behind there, there's still a load of talent. I mean, when, when a guy like Sam Martino, who wrestles up at McDonough, is, is 12 on the senior big board, this is a pretty good senior class for Virginia. Bill, I want to start with you on this. Yeah, it, it really is a good class. And a lot of those guys... As you look through it, they've already uh, signed to compete. Uh, you know, Manville, uh, Prada, uh, I know AG winners, uh, TJ Allen, Nail, uh, Lump and Tingen, Martino, uh, Echevera from Centerville, uh, Aiello from Westfield, Wallace from Hickory. Uh, those guys, I, I know off the top of my head, Jason, you might know better. You follow that uh, really well. Those guys have already committed somewhere um division one programs uh i know three of them are going to george mason off of that list a couple for at to virginia tech uva uh, you know so uh, old dominion uh which i think we're going to talk about those guys all in a little bit um they are they're got kids going to all those places some some guys going out of state as well so i think it's a pretty good senior class uh College coaches, if you're listening in, there's there's a lot of guys on that list you, you need to take a look at. I, I think they can all be successful uh, at the next level. And I want to bring up uh, the one kid. I don't even know how to say his name. This is probably my fault on that. But I'm looking at this list, and I'm like, there is a kid from Lancaster on this list. And just for some history, that is that is where my parents went to high school, on the <laughs> northern neck. And they didn't even have a wrestling program when I was in high school. And then to see them, you know, in, in 15 years, they, you know, they at the single-A level, and I, I think they might be – I don't know if they're 1A or 2A now. This is, again, me being uh, somewhat ignorant on the, uh, the topic because I uh, didn't prepare for this particular portion of it. I didn't think I was going to say anything about the Red Devils of Lancaster on the show. But, hey, Northern Neck, you're in the house. Stingray Point in the house. <laughs> windmill, <laughs> windmill Point and all that. But, uh, you know, you're seeing that these new programs that have popped up, these new high schools. I remember I go through Twitter and I look at the Virginia High School League and the football playoffs, and I'm like, where the heck is this school? And then I look and I see they got wrestlers like, uh, you know, Killian Cardinal was one of those kids who had a phenomenal Fargo. He's number two on the junior big board, and I'm like, I'm asking you guys, like, where the heck does he go to? Oh, Patriot. Okay, yeah. It's like that school wasn't around when I was in high school. So, I mean, and we've talked about the senior class, but then there's the junior class. I mean, pretty good pretty good class there, led by Hunter Bowl and a Christiansburg feisty feisty kid i love the way cardinal wrestles jeffrey allen and john borst just powerhouses so a good junior class here too bill yeah no and junior class is strong too uh i know my uh longtime assistant who is not my assistant anymore mark mark black came in and he was looking at the list 
uh, at school the other day. He said, man, that's, that's a really good junior class. He said, uh, well, you got to do it right here. Well, I tell you, Bill, that's, 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 <laughs> that's a pretty good junior class there. Pretty good junior class. Yeah. So, so you know, it, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> you guys are losing it. You're losing it. <laughs> we, got, we got some good, good, uh, good guys, really good guys in both those classes. So it's exciting to see, um, see them competing and uh like you said it's exciting to see uh you know we got kids from 1a schools on the list all the way you know through 6a and, and private school guys and and uh the talent is spread out it seems like a little more maybe than it, than it was 10 years ago throughout the state which is which is nice to see as well yeah, and uh, one thing I want to want to throw actually ask about this, Bill. How often are these uh, these junior and senior big boards going to be updated on VirginiaWrestling dot com? Uh, the, the goal is to do it uh, during the one time during the season, and then again after the season, uh, after the high school season, sometime. So that's the plan. Andrew, sounds like you were trying to jump in there. Yeah, I just want to say that we're out. You know, we're excited about getting all these out there, but uh, we got to throw a shout out to my boy Michael Batista from Broad Run. Michael is number 25 on the senior list, but he's an 11th grader. So, Michael, yeah. if you're listening, Coach Tataro, we'll, uh, we'll put you on that junior list, but he's, uh, he's a tough kid, and it's programs like Broad Run that are popping up. Uh, you know, guys, uh, Coach Bango at Tuscarora are doing good stuff. Um, Another school you know, that wasn't around when I was back there. Oh yeah, Loudoun County, baby. Uh, yeah. Rooftops. <laughs> rooftops. But uh no, it's really exciting to see all the uh the new talent popping up from around the state and um yeah, we're gonna see a lot of those guys uh this weekend out in Front Royal at Skyline, the elite opener. So ready to get going. We're going to see, also going to see a lot of these guys in, in Virginia colleges, which will be the nice uh nice nice little segue to our next Part of the discussion is we got three teams from Virginia ranked in the top 25 in Division One. Uh, Brian and I saw George Mason wrestle this week at the Grapple of the Garden. Of course, we'll have Chris Greckwitz on later in the program. And, uh, you know, we've we've got Division Three teams popping up. I mean, we've got, uh, you know, Southern Virginia, Hampton, Sydney, Ferrum all into the program. Of course, WNL, we've, we've had, we had a uh, former assistant uh, on earlier in the year talking about that. He's now at Trine. But, uh, you know, when we, we talk about the college scene, Bill, when, when we were doing Virginia Wrestling Roundup and Matt Talk Online, when it was the, the Virginia flavor of it, there there was a little bit of, uh, you know, it was individuals that would be ranked here and there. And, you know, Virginia Tech wasn't, you know, they were on the fringe of the rankings. Virginia really wasn't ranking. ODU was just, we were pretty bad then. So, I mean, to see three Virginia Division One teams in the top 25, that's just, uh, that's exciting for the state of Virginia. Yeah, it really is exciting. Um... You know that your high school guys, you know, they get to see uh, within the state three top twenty-five teams right now, and uh, you know the the internet and social media has made uh, the kids are, are are looking at that type of stuff all the time. They're seeing it in their Twitter feeds and and uh, on Instagram and and all the other stuff they use today. Uh, so it's exciting, and uh, you know, it's exciting that. I see a lot of our guys um, heading off to Virginia schools and, and out-of-state schools as well, but uh, there's a lot of crossover there, and it, it's exciting time. Uh, you know, they, they keep getting better when you, when you look at uh, Tech and, and UVA and Old Dominion and uh, 
you know, George Mason, and I think uh, you can talk to Chris. VMI had had some good recruits come in, so you know, the Division three level um, is exciting as well. That there's more opportunities uh, in the state, way more now, Jason, than when you know you and I first started doing our our websites back in the day. Um, and we also have a girls program, collegiate girls program now. So, I mean, it, it's exciting time. It's good times. I think, you know, state's moving in a good direction at all levels in the sport right now. Yeah, I want to give Nate Yetzer a shout-out, too. His team went up uh, and won some big duels. I believe it was at Mount Union. They knocked off a couple nationally ranked programs. So a big win for the Farron Panthers down there. And Now, it's also interesting that three of us on the call – our uh, graduates from Division One schools within the state of Virginia, of course, Ross from UVA, Hazard from uh, George Mason, and myself from Old Dominion. So I, I want to circle back to Ross here because you, you not being a Virginia guy originally, and now uh, you know going to UVA and being kind of part of that uh, that rise to national prominence. So you know, what's it like for you? You know, not necessarily as a high school coach, but as an alum to see your alma mater sitting there. It's like, all right, yeah, they're. I mean, they're they're putting guys on the podium. They're nationally ranked. They're they're wrestling. You know, Big Ten teams consider. They're, they're beating Big Ten opponents. I mean, how does it make you feel as an alum to be like, all right, yeah, they're winning. Nice. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, it, it's 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 pretty cool seeing Garland um, to see what he's done with the program. You know, he's come a long way as a as a coach, but also as a person, and um, he's kind of emerged as he's emerged as sort of a, a head coach now. I think for a long time he he had the assistant coach kind of roll in him, and he's really. He's really um, emerged as a, a really strong head coach, and um, he doesn't. It doesn't get talked about enough, but I would argue he's the he's got to be a top three recruiter in the country. I mean, this guy, he's so he's so good at recruiting. I mean, he, uh, you know, I was at UVA and I was going to leave my redshirt year, and he recruited me back, and I loved him, and he was my number one workout partner, and he's he's really developed that program into something where kids kind of were committed to now everyone's committed and. And uh, sometimes it doesn't show. I mean, they won the ACCs last year, but at the same time, like if you look at the rankings in the ACCs, I think Virginia might be like third or fourth. But it does, you know, the ACC it, it is just blown up. I mean, it is awesome to watch. I mean, every program now is good, and I'm not just saying, you know, I'm not just saying they're kind of good. They're good. I mean, NC State's good, UNC good, Tech good. They're all they're all really good, and so. Um, you know, I don't think it gets noticed within the ACC, but nationally, I mean, like, you know, I think all those teams are ranked in the top 25. Duke might not be there yet, but, um, you know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of good things happening at UVA, but also um, in the ACC. And, and Garland's, you know, he's he's really, I think in two years, maybe one year or two years, he's going to have, he should, you know, they should be back in the top 10. I think it might be tough this year, but um, they got some awesome recruits in there, and, and I'm happy for him. I talk to him probably every every month and um you know the the final thing i'll say about that is he's actually coming we work together he's coming january 8th friday january 8th they're wrestling vmi after we wrestle lca and um we're both not going to the virginia duels this year and i know that might be a bummer to you brian but um you know it's it's uh real i'm, I'm just super excited that he's able to come to st chris and, and hopefully we'll get a good crowd with the uva alums and you know uh vmi alums and and uh, but I'm just happy. I'm happy he's coming January 8th, and he's 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 done a great job. 
Brian, you're right down the well, right across the street from your alma mater with uh, Robinson being that close to to George Mason. And obviously, uh, it's been a rough couple years for the Patriots, but uh, you 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 know we all know how 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 much wrestling Joe Russell knows. We they've they've got a pretty good influx of kids, and obviously, uh, you know, not a great weekend for them up at uh, up at the grapple at the Garden. But uh, what are some things that you've seen from an, from an alumni standpoint that that you know put you can put your faith in Joe Russell and getting this program to be a contender? Uh- my senior in high school when I was getting recruited there and I had signed at William Mary and, you know, there was a promise that they'd get a new wrestling room. And that was in 1991. And they're still in that same wrestling room today. Um, Joe has gone out and uh, raised a, a boatload of money and they have an AD who is, uh, where's his Rob, or where's Robinson? Where's his George Mason wrestling gear around? Uh, and they have the money and, and the blueprints and, they're going to be breaking ground on a new wrestling room there, which is something we've been waiting for, for, you know, 25 some odd years. Um, gosh, I'm old. Um, very, I look at, I look at what they're doing in terms of the kids are recruiting. I think, uh, as a Virginia institution, they do the best job of recruiting Virginia athletes. Um, I think sometimes, uh, they don't go outside of Virginia, um, enough, but they're recruiting in Virginia. Well, um, they're going out. I know that um, Izzy uh, is going to do a clinic for the Federation here in the next couple of days. They really have a great outreach for the community. And uh, I know that they did not perform well and they were really super bummed after the grapple. But um, when I go and watch the workouts, they're going in the right direction. They're, they're, uh, Joe, Joe is, is phenomenal with those kids and, and they buy into what he's selling. Uh, I give them a couple more years and, and you know, uh, I think they're going to become fully funded one of these days, and once they get money, everything will will follow from there. Yeah, and that's something that I've seen again to to kind of circle up on the uh, the discussion here with uh, you know with Old Dominion. Obviously, when I was there, Gray Simons, a legendary wrestler, and you know was a had national champion wrestlers when he was coaching at, at Tennessee. You know, he was coaching at Indiana State, retired at Old Dominion, and when Gray was at ODU, I mean, our wrestling room was was pretty much crap. It was uh, in a corner of the field house. Had it was jagged. It had some pillars running through it. He didn't have a full time assistant coach, and then uh, you know he started getting. He got two assist. You know, Rusak and Jamie Kelly were his assistants. Uh, his last year, Joe Baranek for a couple years before that. So he actually had an assistant that wasn't just a volunteer. And then uh, Coach Martin gets the job, and then all of a sudden, oh, boom! There's there's the funding. And you've seen the, and you talked about this, Brian. It being fully funded has a huge impact on on success because yeah, uh, because you'd have to go before James Nicholson in 2008. We have to go back to Nick Hall in 1995 for their previous All-American. And then now with the, the influx of being able to, to recruit the training partners, to recruit the workout guy, to recruit the, the, the strong number one, the strong number two, to have some depth has really helped that program. And from an alumni standpoint, it's like, yeah, this is, you know, it, it's exciting to be like, all right, you go to nationals now, you're expecting at least an All-American. So last year they had two for the second time in school history. So, you know, between the three of us that are that are Virginia College alums, I mean, I think we're, we're all happy with the, the direction our programs are going. And, you know, obviously nobody on from Virginia Tech on this particular call, but we do have uh, Skrekowitz later, and he'll talk about what, what he's been doing and certain kids he's been recruiting and what they need to do for their goals for them to improve. So uh, obviously Virginia Tech has kind of uh, you know raised the bar the last couple of years and winning the you know or making the finals of the national duels and having some some top ten programs having guys in the national finals. So uh, you know from a college level, I mean this is where hey kids 
you, when I was in high school, I didn't know any starters on any of the Virginia college teams. You have an opportunity not just to see these college wrestlers, but to watch some of the best. We got nationally ranked wrestlers up and down these teams. So if you're listening and you don't know much about college wrestling, get over to George Mason if you live in Northern Virginia. Get down to Blacksburg. Get into Charlottesville. Get into Norfolk. Get into Lexington. Even check out the Division three schools in, in, in Buena Vista and Hampton, Sydney, and, and WNL Denafarum. There's plenty of opportunities for you to discover college wrestling, even the apprentice school in Newport News with the NCWA. So there's plenty of college wrestling opportunities. And I, I want to circle this over to, to Andrew, because when you're in Texas, there's these opportunities does not exist for your high school wrestlers to see. I mean, Wayland Baptist now has a men's and women's team, but you know, that's out in, out near Amarillo. So I mean, Plainview, Texas. So the kids in Virginia have a lot better opportunity to expose themselves to college wrestling coaches, to college wrestlers, to become college wrestling fans, and they do in other parts of the country. We need to capitalize on that. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's awesome. We have five Division One programs. North Carolina has six, and then Pennsylvania has, you know, way more than that. So we're third on the ladder in terms of D1 opportunities and tons of D3 opportunities. But oh, Coach Swink and I were just talking about a half hour ago um, some college coaches have been asking for uh, lists of contacts for high school and club coaches in Virginia, and uh, that wasn't happening a few years ago. And that's a testament to uh, youth coaches and, and high school coaches hustling and doing the right thing. So uh, exciting time! Uh, exciting time for both college kids and then high school kids that are you know chasing those opportunities to compete at the next level. And Andrew, that's where that uh, coaches you know, association is going to come in big because we're going to have the opportunity to reach out and, uh, and, and get with these college coaches and, and put our name out there even more. I got an email from a college coach today. Hey, where's the Virginia coaches list? And uh, so that'll, that'll be pretty good. And of course, before we go, we want to let people know that this show is from the Virginia wrestling association and, there's, a, there's some cool member benefits that if you join VAWA, you're going to get an opportunity to, to rock some slick gear, an opportunity from Blue Chip. And, Andrew, why don't you tell us a little bit about those Blue Chip member benefits? Sure, Jason. Blue Chip Wrestling is a national merchandise and gear vendor that, that we've partnered with, and uh, they, they outfit our national teams, and they also provide some awesome discounts to all of our coaches and members. So if you have already signed up for your USA Wrestling card this year, uh, you will receive an eight and a half by 11 envelope from blue chip with a VAWA logo on the front. And inside you'll have some key dates and information from VAWA, but you'll also get uh, some sweet discounts uh, to redeem at bluechipwrestling.com. You get 15% off all year long just for being a member of VAWA. And you'll also get a, a one-time $10 off uh, coupon uh, for a purchase over 50 bucks. So trying to put some money back in mom and dad's pockets. And uh, in that in that mailer, you also get some information about our scholarship fund, and and we'll talk more about that later uh, this winter on an upcoming episode. But we will be awarding um, a college scholarship stipend for a, for a deserving high school wrestler uh, who's going on to college next year. So so keep your eye on the mail; something's coming soon uh, with some other cool stuff inside. Yeah, and you go to Blue Chip and uh, buy some uh, college team gear too, because they've actually got—I believe every Virginia every Virginia college has got some gear on Blue Chip. So whichever team you support, you can buy a shirt from them as well using that discount code. Now here on the Virginia Wrestling Roundup, we're going to visit with 
VMI head coach Chris Skrekowitz down there in Lexington. And, uh, Chris, one of the things that uh, your career you were known for, you're a leg guy, you're a jersey guy, you're a multiple-time All-American in Fargo, you're a multi-time NCAA All-American. And when we look at the framework of college wrestling, how important is it when you're a college coach, when you look at athletes and go, you know, whether they, they're going to a big state school or a private school or a military school like VMI, when you're looking at recruiting, how important is their freestyling Greco background? You know, Jason, I, I can't, you can't pinpoint one thing that makes a, a wrestler successful, but, you know, anytime they get mad experience, you know, with Greco-Roman, it's all upper body. Uh, you know, how many times you get on on a mat and you, you, you're you trying to get leg attacks and all of a sudden the guy's going, you know, Russians or underhooks with you. And I think that sort of stuff really plays into uh, making a wrestler diverse. Um, you know, wrestling freestyle to scholastic is, you know, a little bit different. Uh, you're finishing more solid versus, you know, less – instead of rolling around as much so you know it really makes a, a fine-tuned athlete you know fine-tuned um so I, I think it's very important for me my own personal success you know once i started doing the whole freestyle uh greco circuit that's really where i separated myself from uh you know my state level competition so when the situation comes to pass where you know, you're getting a lot of guys from Virginia. You're getting a lot of guys that that want want that military style that may not go want to go to the academies. When it when it comes to time to recruit for VMI, what is the mindset there? What type of athlete are you looking to bring into Lexington? You know, we first of all we want guys with good grades. You know, you're not going to make it anywhere on the divisional level with with grades that are just getting by. Uh, you're struggling in the classroom. You're you're going to be struggling on the mat as well. Uh, you know, I think. If if your grades are constantly on your mind, you're not fully focused in the wrestling room. So, you know, first off the bat, we need someone with good grades. Uh, obviously, the whole wrestling talent as well, you know, being a Division One program, you need to have some sort of a success on the mat. Um, but we want guys that work hard, guys that are going to be willing to stick it out for four years, uh, guys that have grit. Uh, you know, what I th- think without grit, you're not going to make it anywhere in life. Um, so to me, that's, you know, typically people that have good grades that are solid, that are, are respectable people are typically uh, would be a good fit for VMI. One thing that VMI has to deal with and, and other military schools also have that, that first year that's tough. And, and when you came into that experience under Coach Trudgeon and when you saw the rat line for the first time and you saw, I was like, man, these guys got to wrestle and go through the rat line. It's definitely a challenge. Oh, I mean, without a doubt. You know, the, the non-military schools, the, the freshmen are just kind of, you know, going to class and going to practice. And that's that's their main focus. And, you know, any sort of military setting, they go, there's going to be that, that structure involved. Uh, so, you know, it does play a little bit factor on the first year. Um, they're a little bit more tired. Uh, you know, typically after the first semester, that, that military structure uh, kind of slows down a little bit. And, uh, you know, they go home for winter break, they get a good couple of days off, and they come back re-energized. Um, you know, just as a coach, it's something you got to look into. Uh, you know, the grass is not always green on the other side, and every other school has their issues that they deal with as far as training uh, and how to work around things and how to train, uh, push through things or pull back in the reins. And that's just something that, you know, any coach that's at a military school has to realize that. Uh, and the faster they do, the you know, better off their program is. Yeah, I had a number of number of high school classmates that, that went to VMI to play football and went to wrestle. They played uh, various sports there. And one thing that they always talk about is like, yeah, so-and-so, oh, yeah, he's in my company. Or so-and-so, he's in my company. It seems like there's a real 
team built atmosphere kind of built into the school. It's something that, you know, you went to Hofstra that, that wasn't necessarily built in. Obviously you were around your teammates, but there's, there's a real family atmosphere at VMI with all the athletes and basically everybody that goes there. Yeah, without a doubt, you know, our school is only 1500 students. Uh, and when you think about that, most big high schools are, are bigger than that. Uh, so, you know, it's some around 450 students at VMI participate in sports. So, you know, when you really think about the numbers and the small class sizes, uh, you know, everyone kind of knows each other. And, and you know, classrooms are only 30 people tops per class. So, uh, you know, everyone kind of knows anyone. So once you start excelling in the sport, you know, you really kind of stand out here. Uh, and people really back each other. And, you know, they really support all the sporting events here. So it's it's a little bit different feel than a typical, uh, you know, larger school. I've always said that VMI has, has got one of the most unique dual meet atmospheres. I mean, what was what was the first, what was your first impression the first time you're sitting there, you got a home duel, and all of a sudden there's there's the core cadets. I mean, this this is one of the most underrated atmospheres when it comes to a Division One dual meet. Certainly, you know, I, I wrestled pretty much all across the country, and I've been you know from the smallest gyms to probably the biggest places. Uh, and when I my my first dual meet uh, back in 2006, John Trudgeon. Uh, he told me this place is going to get loud, so loud that you won't be able to hear me next to you. And I said, you know, okay, I, you know, kind of believed him a little bit, but, um, you know, we had this small gym, maybe it was 60 feet wide, uh, and we, we jammed a thousand people in there. And it, you know, we had the nickname called it the Thunderdome, and it was seriously so, so loud that, uh, you know, I couldn't hear him coaching the athletes out there, and I was literally right next to him. Um, you know, since then, we moved to a brand new facility uh, this past May. Uh, we tried replicating uh, the Thunderdome and into our new home. Um, so we typically, you know, we draw about between 600 and 1,000 people for our matches. Uh, you know, it's a great, great location, uh, great atmosphere. It's just a total, a different wrestling experience for a smaller school. When it comes to the goals that you've got, obviously, you know, starting your your second year in Lexington as, as the head coach, you had spent uh, some time there under Coach Trudgeon. What are, you know, with goals for a school like VMI, what are they? I mean, there's been two All-Americans in school history with uh, with uh, Charlie Branch and Leslie Apodeau, but, you know, what are the goals to get that third All-American, to get more guys to Nationals, to get, first of all, I, obviously at this point, to get guys to qualify for Nationals, and then, you know, what are those goals that you had coming into the program as a head coach, and, you know, what's a, what's a one, two, and a five-year plan for VMI? Uh, you know, that that's that's the... The big question that every coach has, you know, what's a realistic goal and what's a long-term goal? Uh, you know, I think short-term goal is getting guys out to national tournament. You, you got to get out there first to, in order to place. Um, so, you know, we haven't had a national qualifier in about four years now. And, uh, you know, we were well-known back in the 90, late 90s and early 2000s for, you know, getting three or four guys a year out there. Uh, so that's my, my number one goal is to get guys on the podium. Uh, and obviously, in the you know, number one position, uh, you know, I think this year, I think we could probably qualify two guys to the national tournament. Uh, you know, whether they get out there in place, that's up for them to figure out. Um, you know, you could do that tournament 10 times over, get 10 different results. Uh, but, you know, short term, two guys, at least this year, hopefully the national tournament. Uh, I would I would be content right now getting, you know, three or four years out from now, getting four guys a year out there. Um, you know, they just our guys need to see someone do it. And so far, you know, with our team, no one has actually done it yet. So I think once one guy does it, uh, you know, the team can can see that, 
the the plan for the coaching staff of it's working. Uh, you know, we're slowly changing the program around. Uh, you know, the coach in me wants it done today. Uh, I'm a little I'm more, more, little more realistic. I, I realize it's it's a long process. Um, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. How have the relationship building gone for you uh, within the state of Virginia? Obviously, there's now a situation where we've got seven different state tournaments and seven individual state champions per weight class. But uh, obviously, that makes maybe the recruiting a little bit more uh, clustered in terms of, okay, well, how, how good are these kids? But, you know, how have the relationships been building with the, those coaches in state? You know, it, it, it certainly does make recruiting a lot tougher. Uh, you know, for the smaller schools right now, you know, we're gonna, we got to win the Virginia battle. Um, we got to get all the best in our, in our school and in our program because uh, Virginia wrestling has improved over the years and it's, uh, you know, it's getting up there. Uh, I think we did last year a great job with our recruiting class. Um, you know, I would like to continue that this year. Uh, you know, it's still early out in the season right now to figure out who's going where and, and where we're going to end up in uh, April after the signing period's over. But, uh, you know, I feel pretty confident with our new facility uh, that that can be done. I'm pretty confident. Um, you know, the direction our team's going. Um, so, you know, I think as far as building relationships, it's important to get out to all tournaments because, uh, you know, it is what it is with the state tournament, going many classifications, and it's kind of hard to figure out who is the best. So we got to get out to the, the national tournaments and prep nationals and Super 32s and uh, the Beast and, and actually see who is the actual best guy out there. Yeah, it's got to be interesting for you coming from New Jersey where there's just one one class for individuals. Obviously, the states is broken up into tiers for dual meets. But, you know, one class state tournament, that's, uh, you know, there are some guys that don't, that don't place that are out there, you know, getting D1 scholarship offers and whatnot. So, uh, you know, when you, when you look at that type of recruiting, obviously you're, you're probably going to go back to some of your roots and trying to bring in New Jersey kids, Pennsylvania kids, Virginia kids in, the, in that region. But when when you look at, the state of wrestling, and then there's so much more after wrestling. VMI has a reputation for being excellent when it comes to job placement uh, with the degree. There's a great alumni network. I remember talking to Charlie Branch a couple years ago after he had uh, left coaching at Eastern Michigan, and it was like the VMI alumni network. They they set him up. I mean, it's it's well connected. So with with you know the college education, it's more than just wrestling. VMI offers a lot of things after you graduate. Certainly. You know, when you're 17, 18 years old, and you, you're thinking about colleges, the number one thing you, you look at is wins and losses and, you know, where is this program going to take me uh, in my, you know, my next four years? Um, but you got to think long term. You know, you're there. Your number one reason for going to college is to get an education. Uh, and, and VMI really stands out uh, as far as job placement, as like you mentioned earlier. Typically, on average, the year, obviously it changes each year, but... Uh, on average, we're at 98% job placement within six months. Uh, starting sal- average starting salaries, uh, low 60,000 range. Um, you know, that's something, nothing against, you know, when I was graduating from Hofstra, it's just that wasn't available for me. Uh, you know, I graduated with, you know, four or 5,000 people uh, versus VMI graduating with somewhere around 250, 300 range. Uh, so the network is, 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 is there for the, our alumni. And, uh, you know, our, our guys go through a lot through the military experience. And, and uh, you know, our, our big thing is the iron code here. We're not going to lie, steal, or cheat. Uh, so, you know, when you're an employer, do you want to hire someone that lives by that code? Or do you want to hire someone that, you know, might have, you know, found other ways to get by in college? 
Um, so, you know, back to kind of what we're looking for, we want young people that, that are also going to lift up that standard. Now, as it relates to freestyling Greco as, as the advice for the high school wrestler that, that will listen to this show, and, you know, a lot of the coaches also echo the same things, but what's, from your personal experience, what was your, what's your advice to the wrestler who, you know, might be a state place winner that needs to get better? It's like, man, what do I, what do I do to get noticed by college coaches? How much is, you know, that freestyling Greco training, those trips to Fargo, how much is that going to raise their stock? And how much is that going to make the coaches realize, like, this kid takes it seriously. This is a kid I want to see on my team. Yeah, I think anyone can wrestle from November to February. Uh, it takes a special individual that's going to, is willing to, uh, you know, go to national duels and go to, you know, Fargo and, and do the whole circuit because, you know, you're competing now on a national level. And, uh, you know, I think Fargo still to this day is, is the toughest high school tournament out there. Um, anytime you can wrestle, you know, six matches in, in a couple of days, and, you know, for those individuals that go double style, you know, that shows their, their passion for the sport. It shows their willing to, willingness to, to get better. Uh, you know, no one's forcing them to do it. Uh, you know, they got to train outside of their, their comfort zone. They've got to fly halfway across the country and, uh, you know, figure out a way to make weight multiple days in a row. And that's just something that, uh, you know, the college coaches out there, I think kind of speaking for everyone, that that's something that, that they all look for. Um, you know, my big, my big uh, uh, passion was Greco-Roman wrestling. To me, uh, it's, it's difficult to do. You got to hand fight. You got to learn how to move the man out of position. Uh, to me, that can very easily translate into scholastic wrestling. If I can move you without leg attacking you, you know, just imagine once I can start using my leg attacks, you know, wrestling becomes more natural. Uh, as far as defense, you got to learn how to use your hands. Uh, and that's all important with, uh, you know, down block and so forth. So any young wrestler out there, you know, I would say start picking up that Greco-Roman side of wrestling. It's, it's not fun your first year. You're going to get thrown around a lot but uh, it's going to pay off long-term for you. Talk online.com.